What a load of garbage, friends. <laughs> I wish I had some good news for you today. I'll get to some good news later. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that we are not headed for a recession. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Uh, these types of statements, while I guess intended to assuage investors and calm nerves and win political points are nothing short of insane uh, or incredulous uh, at the very least. Yellen said, yeah, yeah, I don't see any signs. A recession is a broad-based contraction affecting many sectors of the economy. We just don't have that. We've cut the deficit by a record $1.5 trillion this year. Pat yourselves on the backs. You're going to hear the Democrats saying this. The Biden administration is so happy that they've cut the deficit. This is nonsense. These are just spending bills that were COVID-related that have expired. They've ended there were sunset clauses in them, so they're no longer in effect. And Biden's trying to take credit for this. The disingenuousness of this administration knows no bounds. All the smart people in the world right now are keenly aware that the economy today is not what it was six months ago. And I would add this, moreover, I think people are starting to look around and go, I think it's going to get a lot worse. Now, I saw a piece, I keep bringing it back to different industries. It's not tech, right? You, okay, yes, Meta, Facebook, they're down 50%. They are, <laughs> tech stocks are getting brutalized. They're so bad that Zuckerberg is out there. You've seen this? <laughs> he had a town hall meeting. All the people that have worked for these tech companies making millions of dollars, doing loser work for the most part, okay? These are people doing the same jobs you and I do. But be, by virtue of working for these companies where they just were flush with silly money, million-dollar bonuses for, you know, I, I, I'll tell you. So basically, Zuckerberg, it's so bad in tech that he is yelling at his people saying, look, if you can't work 80 hours a week, and if you insist on taking vacations, maybe Meta, right, Facebook, is not the place for you. This Q&A was held on June 30th, the audio of, it, of which has leaked. Somebody asked him, hey, so what about days off? Can you talk to us about days off? This is, you know, in a, um, uh, a town hall. Uh, with with Zuckerberg and, and I guess all the all all the workers there at, at Meta and, and and he he literally goes um all right given my tone in the rest of the Q and A you can probably imagine what my reaction to this is and he goes on to say that they're facing challenges but by the way it's not just tech it's going on everywhere. I see it because I'm a consumer in my business, my law business consumer, of course, of advertising. If it weren't for the politicals, politicals coming up, the midterms, 
I mean, advertising, they're feeling it. Companies are scaling back. They are figuring things out. Uh, so I um, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, this is, um, this is frightening. And the smart people in the room are looking around and saying this is, uh, there, there's some stuff coming. Economist Noriel Rubini, who is known in some circles as Dr. Doom, so I, I, I give you that with some, uh, some detail, um, has, has predicted that there's going to be a deep recession. Um, he was talking with Bloomberg TV yesterday, and he had this to say about the state of the economy and the predictions that there will be nothing. This little soft landing is all we're going to do. Yellen saying no recession. This is what his take on it is. This new world, it's all going to be fine, is off the mark. Uh, well, now the consensus view is becoming that uh, hard landing is likely as opposed to a soft landing. But now people say, well, be short, shallow, mild, plain vanilla, you know, garden variety. I, I beg to disagree. I think there are many reasons why we're going to have a severe recession and a severe debt and financial crisis. Debt ratios are at historically high, 420% of GDP in advanced economies and rising. Lots of zombie corporation, household, government, financial institutions were bailed out during COVID. This time around, we're tightening the monetary policy. During the 70s, we had stagflation, but debt ratios were low. After the GFC, we had a debt crisis but the inflation was falling, deflation, because it was a demand shock and you had a credit crunch. And in previous recession, like the last two, with massive monetary and fiscal easing, this time around, we're going to go in recession by tightening monetary policy. We have no fiscal space. So the idea this is going to be short and shallow. Okay. It's uh, totally delusional. This new yeah, world, the, it's all the guy over at Bloomberg's like, oh, okay, I don't even want to hear this anymore. But, but the, the last point, I know if this sounds like Greek to you, that's okay. Because what you need to understand is the last part of what Rubini has to say, which is in the past, because we've had a little bit higher interest rates going into a recession, we're able to ease monetary policy, make money cheaper, and stimulate the economy. We have no room to do that. It's kind of like if you're a pilot, for example, and on a hot day in a high altitude, you need more runway to take off. We don't have more runway. We literally have to wait for the economic weather to turn. And so what my recommendation in all of this is, is uh, now's the time, frankly, to put your house in order. And I, I you know, it's, it's certainly not the time to, uh, to, to buy more, uh, to stretch yourselves. I, I think the deals out there will be had uh, the, the world where cars are selling for eight to 10 grand over sticker like they were three months ago, that world's going to come to an end. I think that, yeah, again, real estate deals, I think if you need a house, wait. Because what will happen is suddenly the, the marketplace of money, monetary tightening is occurring. And this is what, do you hear ever the expression, a yield curve? when it inverts the inverted, dreaded inverted yield curve. Well, basically it, it has to do with long-term versus short-term debt. In a, in a great economy, you get good yields on long-term debt. In a bad economy, you don't because of the volatility involved, the, the lack of ability to predict what's going to happen down the road makes long-term lending a bad bet. 
So the rates go up for it. And in turn, again, for short-term lending, which normally in a good economy is only for people with bad credit, I can think of other examples too, but short-term lending ends up becoming um, less expensive and, and, and more encouraged and more, more open in, in, a, in a bad economy where, of course, you're more likely to predict what happens in three months versus what's happening in three years. So again, now's not the time to take on debt. It's not the time to, to extend yourselves. It, it really is a, a time to wait back, hold back, and, and, and wait for a deal. If, again, you need a house, you need a car, give it a break because and by the way, the other thing lurking in the background of all this is, make no mistake, all the cretins that put us into this position, the shutdown fanatics, most, not most, much of all of this economic pain can be traced back to COVID. Well, certainly when you sent everyone home and said, don't work, check out vaunted U.S. productivity, something we are known for, have been known for, uh, are famous for, why we have a competitive advantage, frankly, over Europe. It has nothing to do with level of education. It has nothing to do with the brain power in this country. It has everything to do with the fact that America traditionally has rolled its sleeves up and willing to do the damn work. We burn the midnight oil. We go to work on Saturdays. We go to work on Sunday night in preparation for the work week. We work late hours. We don't take three-hour lunches and siestas and take Fridays off as they do in France, nibbling on cheese and drinking fine wine. Americans, we put in the sweat equity. Now, before you all get mad at me and everything and think that I am an obnoxious American, fine, you can do that. But I say this as a guy with two European passports. I've been to Europe more than once. I understand what I'm talking about here. I've seen it. So along comes COVID, and what do we do? Oh, here's some money. Stay home. Don't work. Fabulous. My wife is a huge... Joe Rogan fan. I don't listen to Joe uh, because sometimes I tune. It's interesting, but a lot of times it's just it's a little too. Uh, I don't. It's frustrating. I end up getting frustrated because I listen to stuff like this. He's talking to a ho uh, a guest, uh, and this is the other day. He's he's got a guest on it talking about how he's oh I'm a I'm a liberal. I'm not a conservative. It's great that the conservatives came to my defense because every time they try to the crazy liberals try to cancel me, but I'm still a liberal. But I got to think about it. You know, occasionally, you know, I, I I do I've changed my view on things. And one of the examples he gives is exactly a component of why we are in this current economic predicament. And I want to get to this because this one singular bit of monetary policy that we did in this country is now biting us in the A money money, and there is no stopping it. It is a runaway train, and we just have to let it crash and run its course. It is so frustrating because it was totally and completely predictable.
Sam Rajofsky here. Uh, I got to take a quick break. I'm so sorry. When I come back, let me t- let me play this quick Rogan clip and explain to you that his enlightenment on this point is not altogether unusual. Be right back. News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. This is the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky, your host, also your favorite recovering Californian on the path to enlightenment and happiness, frankly, uh, being here in Nevada, in spite of the fact that it is, it feels like a sauna. I always tell people I couldn't live in Florida. I, I, I like Florida. It's a little flat, but I'm an ocean guy, so it would work for me. A great deal of freedom, also attractive, but this humidity that they have would just end me. So we sit around smugly, pat ourselves on the back here, uh, here in Vegas, and we say, but it's a dry heat. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> yeah, it, it rained for 30 minutes yesterday. Everything flooded, which uh, those of you who you know, you know, are, are from out of town and, uh, and listen to this program, it, it does rain in Vegas. And when it rains in Vegas, for the most part, it just always rains all at once in an extremely short period of time, which is why when you drive around town, you see all these culverts and drainage uh, ditches, and you're going around, what do you need that for? Well, let me tell you. Look around the internet yesterday on some photos of what was going on in town, and it will be shocking. Uh, Water gushing from everywhere. And yet Lake Mead is down to what I saw today, down to 27% capacity. It's getting so low that they found yet another dead body. So uh, at this rate, if the drought continues, we may actually have a chance of finding Jimmy Hoffa. Stay tuned for those developments. Now, right before the break, I was mentioning the economy. And of course, I believe that there is a recession coming, a significant recession. I agree with some of the more pessimistic of forecasts. And this is coming from me. If you know me, I am an optimist. And, 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 okay, and the other thing, I'm certain we're going to come out of it. This is not a forever predicament. It's a perfect storm caused by all the nonsense we did during COVID. And then we hired, we hired, we quote unquote elected and put in office a total buffoon who has done, if, if there was the, the right thing to do, in behind door number one, right? The right thing to do to get the economy moving post-COVID. And then door number two is let's do everything we possibly can wrong. Well, Biden rode his bike and crashed into and through door number two. That's my metaphorical assessment of this. (laughs) I, I had to, but it's depressing. He's talked down the economy. He's made it clear he wants to re-regulate. He's cut off domestic energy production. He's weakened our standing in the world. He's picking fights with Russia. He's saying everything wrong and do could. And all of this creates something called COVID. And I caught something of interest the other day. My, my wife mentioned this as it relates to 
the Joe Rogan show. Now, I don't listen to this all the time. Some of it's a little too much for me, but I will say this. He is someone that a lot of folks listen to. And I hope that on this particular point, they heard him because he's talking to his guest the other day about how compassionate of a lib he is, how he cares about people, and how he thought until COVID that giving free money to people willy-nilly was a fine and dandy thing. Listen to this. But I'm a compassionate person, and I believe that there's a... Boy, I'll tell you what, though. One thing that happened during this pandemic was I, I opened, it opened my eyes about human nature. Like, I used to be very pro-universal basic income. My thought was, wouldn't it be great if you just had enough money so you could eat and you could pay your rent, and then you could pursue what you wanted to? But the reality of human nature came fully into focus when I realized that one, when some people got all that money from the government, the COVID money, and then they got unemployment, uh -huh. they didn't want to work. I have a friend who has a restaurant. He, he could not get people to come back to work. This guy gets paid $100 million a year. What the literal heck? No, duh. We're all saying this, right? We, we all know better than this. I don't even, I don't even want to say, I want to, I want to say a stronger word than duh. Are you, of course, you, you know why? Because fundamental to understanding economics is psychology. See, economic policy, economic theory is driven very much by consumer behavior, by human behavior. It's fundamental. See, a guy like Joe Rogan, he doesn't get it because he's, you love him or hate him. He's a guy who works hard, correct? He's a guy that if you give $10 to him, he wants more than $10. He wants $1,000. So he's going to, he's going to work hard. What Joe doesn't get is that most people out there, and we know this evidenced by the fact that Democrats get so many votes, perhaps some of them legitimate, is, is what? People out there are lazy. They want the handout. They get the handout. What are they going to do with it? Nothing. Yes, nothing. Now, the part he doesn't say here, the part that is the next step, is that when you give everyone $10 and the price of a good, now I'm going to simplify this a little bit. Bear, bear with me. But if the if if I if the cost of rent is one dollar, and you give everybody everyone in the particular area or in the country, right? You give them ten bucks. Suddenly, the price of rent is going to go up because everyone's purchase power increased equally. That's where I mean, everybody says, "Oh, Andrew Yang, he's such a smart guy." You know the ran for president, Asian guy. Oh, he's so smart. He's so smart. Universal income. It's baloney. It's hugely inflationary. And the people that, uh, most people don't understand that. They, they don't understand it's a driver for inflation. The people that do like the fact that it drives inflation because for certain people in, in, in the economy, inflation is a good thing. I, we don't need to go down that, that, that way, but I'm just letting you know where it's coming from and what motivates it. And what Joe and a lot of well-meaning liberal people don't get is that when we helicopter dropped all this free money on our economy in 20 and 21, 
it absolutely disrupted, disrupted the engine that drives America more than even the shutdowns because it demotivated people from working. You have to, the, the minute that you put this much money into the economy that wasn't earned, it turned everything upside down. And now we will all, all of us, get to pay the price for this. Absolutely, absolutely uh, uh, frustrating and, and, and infuriating, frankly. All right, we gotta we'll come back. Um, I wanna talk about well, I'll give you an update on China and, and Nancy Pelosi, and I'll also a little bit about uh, Twitter. This is interesting. Sam Rajovsky, What's Right Show, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. The king of common sense, the sage of Southern Nevada, Sam Rajovsky here. You're listening to the What's Right Show on News Talk 840 KXNT. Friends, yesterday, yesterday I mentioned this as being a potentially big deal, and now it's blowing up. Well, not literally, but uh, could. You know, when China issued some not-so-veiled threats against fancy Nancy Pelosi in her upcoming trip to Taiwan saying that if she goes on this trip to expect unprecedented reaction, uh, now Pelosi's hitting back and saying she's going. Funny enough, the reason it's blowing up now is because (laughs) Biden's wading into this. The, The president said that he thinks the U.S. military thinks, right? So he's like, I'm being told by the U.S. military that a visit to Taipei by Nancy Pelosi is not a good idea right now. That's what Biden's saying. So he is actually willing to kowtow to China. I understand the term. I, I'm, I'm using it here, okay? That, he is accommodating or trying to accommodate China rhetorically putting this statement out that he thinks Nancy should stay grounded. Now, the funny thing is, Nancy Pelosi responded to this in what can only be, uh, can only be read and interpreted as a major slapdown and clap back at President Biden. Quote, I think what the president was saying is that maybe the military was afraid of my plane getting shot down or something like that. I don't know exactly. Now, I'm a astute Nancy Pelosi watcher. This was meant to be tongue-in-cheek. And CNN is running with the story now, and, 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 and the CNNs themselves are opining maybe this is not the best idea. So I think in a way they're siding with the president. So we are now in a bizarro world, friends. Biden is so bad, he's making Nancy Pelosi look good. Now, I mentioned yesterday, of course, this is all political posturing and that Nancy's doing this to build up her anti-China bona fides going into the midterm elections. She has vulnerable Democrats. It's ultimately her likability, right? That's you know a major political 
point and, um, and, and an issue going into November. So, uh, so yeah, so I know, will the Chinese fire rockets at the Speaker of the House's airplane? No. Could there be some form of retaliation? Yes, but we, friends, we should not be the ones on the defense here. China is an absolute thug. In fact, reported today in the Wall Street Journal is news that China targeted the Federal Reserve, building an informant network, trying to access data from our banking industry, sensitive information like rate hikes and the state of the economy. I bet you didn't even hear about this because it was buried in the Wall Street Journal and not picked up by any major newspapers. So, well, the Wall Street Journal is a major newspaper, but they're not picked up by the mainstream media. This is the kind of, so, you know, so China is free to do whatever they want. They're allowed to saber rattle at us, but we, I mean, can you imagine if Trump were president, they uncovered a spy network. He would tell them where to go and how to get there. He would threaten them. There would be a, a they were, there would be a reaction. Something China wants would be taken away. Do you miss having that yet? Because I sure do. Now, I know yesterday we got into the story about the crash here in Las Vegas of the small airplane the two planes collided over uh, the runways on approach to North Las Vegas Airport uh, because of, I guess, a miscommunication between the tower and one of the planes as to which runway to land on. And now with news of Nancy Pelosi joking that the Chinese might shoot down her aircraft, I came across this wonderful clip of why communicating with air traffic control is important. Here is a snippet of communication between ATC and China Airlines. Listen to this because it sounds really, it sounds like a frightening who's on first. Air China 981, have they cleared you into the ramp? Roger, I'm to the Air China 981. Okay, they have cleared you into the ramp. 981, go ahead. Have you been cleared into the ramp? Okay, connect with the Now that was a question. Have the ramp people cleared you into the gate? Roger, to the gate there, Sean, I'll try it again. It's a question. Hold your position. This is a question. Sorry. Interrogative. Have you been cleared into your gate? Okay, well, hold, hold here. Okay, how about the question? Have they cleared you into the gate? <laughs> Excuse me. While I gather myself, I need to be more of a professional. Uh, oh, by the way, I am making fun of the Chinese airline people here, uh, definitely, because every European airline, every South American airline, when they fly into U.S. airspace, and even European airspace, right, they all f speak English. English is the uh, dominant language, and, and actually the the official language in many cases of, of, of airspace, of international airspace. If you are a pilot and you're flying internationally, you have to be able to communicate in English or you can't fly. This guy doesn't know how to communicate. I hope he knows how to fly airplanes a little bit better. So when yesterday you folks asked, if I, I asked or you, some of you were wondering if the 
plane crash that happened in North Las Vegas, if it could happen uh, with a commercial airline, yes, if your pilot doesn't speak English, <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Absolutely frightening. Also, I'm wondering if this is what the, in reverse, the uh, communications would be like between Nancy Pelosi's plane when it lands, enters, you know, Chinese airspace. Well, it'll fly directly to Tai Taipei. But of course, that area is heavily controlled by China. There are Chinese warships throughout the region. Wonder what the communications will be like when that occurs. Because these are all usually publicly released and available, uh, we'll see. Maybe we can get them and play them for you then. All right, I, <laughs> I'm going to take a break now because I, when I get back, I want to talk about this. I am so happy there is finally some good news here in town, and that's that the North Las Vegas clerk has rejected the petition to put rent control on the ballot in the city of North Las Vegas. This would have been an absolute disaster, and when people think that certain things are going to help struggling families like here you know it's pushed by the culinary union yeah those geniuses they are pushing this they think or they're pretending to think that this is going to help working people let me explain to you all why that isn't the case and you know this i mean you, you you're all smart people you get this but i want to put you in a better position to be able to explain this to folks when they talk to you about this uh, in your in your coming weeks and months because th this is they're going to try this again and again and again i know i know these left-wing nut jobs like the back of my hand this is exactly what they're going to go after and they've been they've been salivating they've been trying to do this over and over again it's just an absolute disaster don't go anywhere the what's right show will continue sam Rajovsky here news talk 840 kxnt Live from beautiful but muggy Las Vegas, Nevada, Sam Rajofsky here. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Grateful to be with you this hour as I am every Monday through Friday, 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, friends, there is a bit of a legal battle that is brewing in North Las Vegas. The city clerk there rejected a petition to put rent control on the ballot in November. Now this comes down to a technicality. I don't, you know, basically, the, the clerk is arguing that they didn't have enough valid signatures. They needed, I guess they needed almost 4,000 signatures. They only got 2,600. And, and they may ultimately write that the folks that wanted to put this on the ballot, they may end up prevailing on this. Uh, it has nothing to do with the substance of this proposed law that would be then put forward to the voters in North Las Vegas to, to vote up and vote down. And here's the problem with this. I, well, number one, rent controls never worked. If the purpose of rent control is to provide more affordable housing, which is what every loon that advances this theory says. It's the putative purpose for it, right? We want more affordable housing. We want more housing. We need housing people can actually you know, work for and afford. This is a broken record. You hear it all the time. Now, what makes housing affordable? 
Well, I think there are two components to this. It's cost and availability. And I say availability because I have a question for you. Tell me something that costs money that you want. Yeah. Well, if, you were a, if you're a teenage boy or a teenage girl, you're going to say, I want an iPhone. <laughs> I want an iPhone. Dad, Mom, I want an iPhone. And what are those? The, the, the higher-end ones are $1,300, $1,400 now. It's crazy. Maybe even more. Shoot. But it's an insane amount of money. Now, if I, you pay $1,300, but you can get it. You can actually go out and buy an iPhone. You pay, walk in the store, and they probably have one in stock. If the government came along and mandated that the iPhone sell for $800 and not a penny more, there was a law passed saying phones cannot cost more than $800. What would be the reaction of Apple to that? Well, one, they would dramatically scale back what is standard in a phone, right? I mean, they would, the, the phone would not be as good because it couldn't be as good. It literally could not carry the same profit margin. They're still going to want to make a profit. They have to pay their employees. You've been to an Apple store. Those things aren't cheap. So they're going to dumb it. And what another thing that's going to happen? Well, they're going to push back on all their their. They're supply chain people, right? All the, all the vendors that supply them parts. And it's going to create a bit of a, a backlog and, and, a, and an availability issue. You may not be able to get an iPhone even. One of the reactions that a company like Apple could have, we're getting out of the, uh, the iPhone business. We're not going to make the phone. It doesn't pencil. Now, the reason... Right? The reason for this is when you have an economy that is driven by pure demand, it's all based on supply versus that demand. You learn this. This is basic econ. The minute governments come along and try to mess with that formula by setting price, price is always set by what? By willing buyer, willing seller. What is a person who wants something willing to pay? And how many of those people are there? See, rents, I know they're going up right now in the Valley tremendously. They're going to come down because people eventually will not be able to afford rent at, let's say, for a one-bedroom. What is it now? Gosh, I've, I've seen $1,700 in some places. Bananas. In Orange County in California, people are paying $2,500, $2,600 for a one-bedroom. But when you add in gas, cost of living, all the other things that are adding up, what happens? People's purchase power goes down. They'll double up in apartments, and eventually supply, right? Supply will increase at the set price, at which point that drives down price. The market is in constant reaction and evolution to what is needed. Now, one of the, why do we have high rent here in Las Vegas. I, I can explain it very simply. We built apartments. 2007, 2008 came, the crash happened. Not a lot of places were built after that. Construction slowed. And then, what, some years later, we find ourselves in 19, excuse me, 2020. What am I, 19, where am I? 
What century? 2020, 2021, all these pesky Californians coming into town. Huge influx of people. Big boom here population-wise. Not everybody bought a house. And so the increase of bodies, the increase of demand, it outpaced supply. So when there's a greater demand and a decreased supply, what happens? Prices go up. If you mess with that, ultimately, you're disincentivizing anyone from building new apartments. If you're doing that, sure, set the rate of rent at a fixed level. Reduce it. People will pay less rent, but you're not going to have new housing. In fact, you're going to directly incentivize developers and investors from not building new places because they won't have a return. So one of the things that happens when rents go up, and this is a fascinating thing, when rents go up, all of a sudden banks look at that and go, yeah, rents are really high. Yes, there's a recession coming, but we're willing to finance developer, Mr. Developer, Mrs. Developer. We're willing to finance your construction because we see that rents are strong and that occupancy is high. So your, your proposed deal pencils, it's in the black. We see the return. We see that this is a good investment. In an economy where you have rent control, I see this in every city that it's been tried, every area that has rent control is blighted in some ways. The owner of the building can only recover so much for the project. He can't borrow money to make improvements or develop anything new because it's going to also be covered by rent control. So the bank doesn't want to touch it. What happens then? Do you think the landlord wants to invest in that property, make it pretty, make it nice, fix things? They do the bare minimum to keep the building from falling down eventually spreading rot and destruction throughout. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, this is, these are fat and for anyone, right? It's hard to imagine because for some of us, uh, we have never lived in a place like New York City. We haven't seen this up close. It's unimaginable. Our perception of New York is what we see in the movies, the scene with the little brownstone, cute little townhomes and people frolicking down the street. Man, you haven't seen New York. You haven't seen what rent control does. And step and repeat everywhere else it has been tried that we are playing with this now. And the culinary union, friends, let me, let me tell you, this is all about power for them. They think, they say that they're helping. They're the ones behind this. They're the ones pushing rent control. They want this on the ballot. They're the ones that are going to be fighting with the city of North Las Vegas to get this put on the ballot. Mark my words. They think that they're helping their rank and file. It'll be harder, frankly. It'll be harder to find housing. And they, in part, you know, they, I, I could see a perverse, perverse incentive for them to make life more difficult for their membership in order to gain more political clout because they get more power when they can convince the very people they're trying to help that they're helping them, meanwhile making life worse for them, which in turn makes them want to help them. This is the same way or need the perception of the need for the culinary union to come in and help. This is the same racket perpetrated by all the race baiters out there like, I don't know, you know, 
Well, not even before BLM, not just BLM. That's that's the new that's the new flavor. But uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson, him, among others, they have no interest in racism ending. Why? That's their racket. That's how they raise money. They are they pour fire on race relations in the country. If they cured it, there would be no raison d'etre for their existence, no ways for them to collect money, and it would all be for naught. Alan Sharpton, of course, man of the people, you know, he's the reverend, one of these guys, he, yeah, this is, it's a multi, multi-million, million-dollar scam that they're running. And, they, and it's the same thing with this rent control business, and all of these left-wing efforts rarely are intended to help the cause that they profess to want to champion. So with that, bad idea, hope it fails. If it gets on the ballot, fails miserably at the ballot box. But then again, people do stupid things. You know, not every voter understands basic economics. All right, friends, I got to run the podcast for the show. You know where to find it. Go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Look for What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here. And uh, as always, I'll be here tomorrow again, 2 p.m., same time, same place. Love to spend this hour with you every day, every weekday, each week. I'll see you tomorrow.